In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet so dedicated to professional wrestling that we took the last two weeks off. <laughs> Absolutely. Corseted wrestling. Yeah, for the most part, right? I am <laughs> Detective Mark Smarks, and I'm joined today, as always, by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Babe. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm great. I had, uh, you know, a good sabbatical. The sabbatical was good. I found out that we uh, we got a couple convictions during that time, and that was a big plus. And, um, you know, I've, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but the last part of my sabbatical, I actually had clavicle poisoning. Um, that's a difficult responsibility to shoulder. It is. The but clavicle it, is, that's a, a very important muscle bone. It's a, it's a bone. It's a it's your collarbone is actually what a clavicle is. The I, I know, but like you can survive without some bone. Muscles are important, so I was trying to play it off as. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, like cats have uh, clavicles that aren't fused in the center. That's how they can fit through such tight little spaces. So maybe the poisoning will will let you get through tight spaces. It might it might make me more cat-like just so the 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 listeners are aware uh, my son and i went to the uh children's museum today and there's a fake doctor's office in there that they get to pretend that they're doctors and he put up an x-ray these are real x-rays on the x-ray monitor and um i said oh there's my clavicle and he goes yeah it looks like it's poisoned <laughs> and i was like well i guess i have clavicle poisoning so yeah. Interesting little moment there. Sure sucks to be you. <laughs> First and hopefully the last case ever of clavicle poisoning for everybody. Yeah, here's hoping. Knock on wood. Um, as this is the first show of the new year, I thought we'd uh, continue our little break from uh, calling crimes and talk a little bit about um, our hopes and and dreams for this new wrestling year and beyond. So, uh, no crime this week. Resolutions? You could you could call them New Year's resolutions, but they're really not something that we have any control over. So, I mean, most of the time it's like my New Year resolution is to lose weight, even though I'm not gonna change the way I eat or exercise. That's that's not an okay thing to do. That's I don't know what most people do. Um, but I'm, I'm in the majority. All right, go on. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, no crimes this week, though they will be back next week and likely with a vengeance. I am looking at you, Lana Lashley Rusev. I'm looking straight at you. You deserve to be thrown in prison for what's can, happened can recently. We, can we add a live to that? Yeah. Well, no, the, the, the crime for that, I think, is going to go to whoever booked live for this horrible angle. I mean... Crime to that is how you do vignettes right before that, and that's your angle. You, you build her up for two months as she's coming back as this new changed person, and then you throw her in the worst angle on TV right now. Anyways. And the best selling and most watched on YouTube. That's so, an, another you know, crime. No how much it, we hate it. 
Well, I, I said on, on Facebook to someone, it's kind of like when uh, Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears were selling 50 million albums uh, and everyone you knew said how horrible they were and they were garbage, but somebody was buying those albums. You know, they weren't selling themselves. So obviously with 5 million views on YouTube uh, and the highest rated segment of the entire year 2019 for Raw, uh, some people are enjoying it, but I don't know a single person who is. I am guessing that we're, you know, with this happening, we're going to get hit with this baby one more time. Mm-hmm. You like oh, that? I imagine, I'm on I imagine it'll hit us like... multiple times. Uh, smack us upside the face for the next two months. <laughs> but So, like I said, no crimes, just two dudes looking forward with hopes and dreams in our eyes, and I don't know. Something else that sounds... Maybe a couple off-the-cuff predictions, because, you know, I did talk about that one that I discovered at Hardee's the other night. Oh, yeah. I know. I, I saw that. That is uh, that is something that might make Adam Wilborn on What Culture a little bit excited. Uh, uh, or or uh, Philip, Philip Marks. Philip and Marks. Quite possibly. Philip and Marks. But um, anyway, <laughs> so I'll, I'll kind of get started with my hope uh, and dream for this year, uh, because it's something that's kind of relevant to things going on in the wrestling world right now. Now, like I said, we kind of took the last two weeks off and and I truly mean it. Like in the last two weeks, I think I've watched all of only one show and that was AEW Dynamite this week. Um, and then like NXT last week. I watched, you know, bits and pieces of it and as much as I could, but it was on Christmas Day and I was driving when it was on live and yada, yada, yada. And then uh, Raw, we don't really want to talk about. Um, so, <laughs> so I did get to catch some of that here and there, um, but I don't know if I really paid attention. Like my wife, uh, I think it was Monday night. Because we were out doing some stuff after I got off work. We had to run some errands. And she was like, oh, I just feel bad. You're missing Raw. And I was like, well, I'm not sure I'm actually missing it. Uh... <laughs> um, but so, but I, I got to see, you know, the important parts of it. And kind of the same thing with SmackDown last week. Um, and so really, AEW Dynamite this week was the only one that I really got to sit down and actually watch. Which means you have some to do before we do Raw and Order WBU next week. Yes. So I, I will have to get back in the swing of things and actually, you know, watch. And fortunately, we're going to record FBI with maybe a fantasy booking or two that might have something to do with a recent storyline that I'm a little upset with. Here's looking at you, Seamus. <laughs> yeah. Could be exciting. Could be fun. I don't know. I hope like you're ready to fancy That's all I'm saying. I miss most. I mean, I, I was aware that he came back. I was aware that John Morrison made his on-screen return, although not like in ring by any means, which is disappointing. It was, did you watch that? I watched the clip, but... I mean, I get bringing him back with the person he brought him back for, with The Miz. Um, it was a little, it was creepy, I'm his boyfriend type stuff. Yeah, well, it, it was, I don't know, it's it was just like... exposed right now. What? I think it, it, it was more just like, hey, uh, instead of... Yo, you've got Royal Rumble coming up in mere weeks, you know? Just have him be a surprise entrance, yeah. Have him be a surprise entrance there. That's, that's how you do him. Have him come out immediately following Kofi 
You know what I mean? So then you've got the two people in the ring who always do the crazy stuff. Anyways, we could go on and on about that. that could but be that's fantasy booking. That's right. Fantasy booking as well. No, my thing is um, the current events going on right now. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh, and then, so Saturday and Sunday in Japan was Wrestle yeah. Kingdom 14. Yeah. for New Japan Pro. And the reason this connects a little bit is my hopes and dreams for this year. My hope is that New Japan Pro and AEW can come to some sort of accord where uh, they allow some talent swapping and a little bit more of a friendly uh, work. And I know there's some bad blood with Kenny Omega and Young, Bud, Young Bucks, Young Bucks um, and New Japan over the way that uh, they yeah. left everything. And so I yeah. get it. But, uh, you know, in this in this uh, event, one of the big storylines going into it, well, two of the big storylines is John Moxley had a match against Lance Archer because John Moxley is uh, uh, was going after the IWGP United States Championship that he had held earlier last year um, and lost to Juice Robinson. Yes. And uh, a little spoiler: if you haven't watched Wrestle Kingdom yet or paid attention to what happened on it, I'm I'm sorry. By the time this comes out, you've had more than 24 hours to to watch it, so you know you're bad. Um, but uh, John Moxley actually I won. watched it. I forgot it was this weekend. <laughs> well, here's your spoiler: John Moxley won the IWGP United States Championship uh, from Lance Archer, okay. and then in his post-match interview he challenged juice robinson to uh to fight to finish this and uh moxley uh retained so moxley is still the iwgp united states champion um and then there was a big showdown with uh minoru suzuki afterwards which means they're setting up a feud there concurrently to all of this you had uh a a match that would went on on night two that was um Chris Jericho taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi um, and the the gimmick on that was that if Tanahashi were to beat Chris Jericho, he would receive a match for Chris Jericho's AEW World Championship at a later date. Uh, Jericho did end up winning that match yes. with, with the Lion Tamer so uh, Tanahashi is not officially owed uh, you know, a shot but those are both storylines going on that really lend itself to some cross promotional work still you know what i mean tanahashi could could uh make a challenge saying hey even though even though you beat me i still want a shot at your belt or or whatever or someone else from new japan could say hey you might have beaten tanahashi but you haven't beaten me yeah uh, so i mean there, there's a lot of things there and then I mean, the fact that Moxley is your current IWGP United States champion lends a lot of of credence to the idea that they could have some cross-promotion where he has that belt on Dynamite and someone from New Japan says, hey, I'm not going to let you just take that belt over here to, to another promotion and, and show it off. So I'm going to have a match with you at, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, promotion event. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought a more interesting storyline that does, I mean, that doesn't have domestic is that Okada lost the title, but. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. That's something that I think. I mean, it still could play into this because 
Okada now no longer has the IWGP heavyweight belt. Um, and so they could send him over, you know, saying, hey, I don't have the, the heavyweight belt, but uh, Jericho, you've never beat me. I mean, he could be the one who comes to try to, uh, How to, try cool to take would that be? Oh, it would be phenomenal. And, and you could even have uh, Jericho put a bunch of, like, steps in between it. First, you've got to, you know, you don't deserve a shot at this because you're not part of this promotion. Look at all these other people who've got winning records in our promotion or whatever. You should beat them first. So then we could get another Okada versus Omega match. We could get an Okada versus Hangman match. Things like that that uh, would be the first time you'd see them on U.S. Yeah. I think that would be phenomenal. Get uh, get some of those Omega versus uh, Okada matches all over again. That would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Or so. even, I mean, there's enough, there's enough young people in AEW that probably have never had a chance to face someone of Okada's level that it would be able to put on just wonderful 10-minute matches. We're not talking, you know, 60-minute Iron Man matches between Okada and, I don't know, Chucky Gear. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Cutler. But, uh, you know, someone like Brandon Cutler could really benefit from a 10-minute or even a 7-minute long match with Okada on TV, you know? Yeah. I'm also a little disappointed that Osprey. I'm, I'm obviously looking at the results right now, but that Osprey had a loss this weekend. And that's the one I'd really like to see pulled over um, with an agreement there, you know, to see some, some more... Uh, some domestic Will Ospreay. Well, the only reason that I'm not entirely surprised that Osprey lost is they've been, because that was the junior heavyweight championship, and they've been trying to build him up as a potential heavyweight, you know, at some point. And so uh, taking the junior heavyweight, I mean, typically in, in uh, New Japan history, uh, when someone is moving up to heavyweight, They've been the junior heavyweight champion, and then they drop it, and then yeah. they bulk up and come back and do the the heavyweight shot. So, um, yeah. but I mean, there were just some great matches on it. Um, I'm really hoping somewhere I can find a way to watch the uh, Jushin Thunder Liger final match, um, if only because uh, just like the old WCW mark in me remembers, you know, watching their first Nitro. Um, I don't know if I watched it live or just a replay of it later on at some point, but having him in that first match was just phenomenal. And just thinking, you know, here's a guy who has been wrestling at a very high level for over 30, you know, uh, and finally retired kind of. But now in relationship to my hope that New Japan and AEW come to some sort of turns, it extends to the other... I'll use the air quotes, minor major, like uh, MLW, Ring of Honor, and Impact specifically. <clears throat> well, These... Impact's never going to have something with Japan. Uh, not anymore with New Japan, but that doesn't mean they couldn't have something with AEW. Um, okay, I get what you're saying. Or, or something with Ring of Honor, because Ring of Honor's relationship with New Japan's crumbled too. So, uh, so I mean, they, we're at a point where now we've got two legitimate uh, contenders in the majors here with AEW as a number two and WWE still as the number one. Okay, and, so you're just talking domestically because obviously uh, New Japan is big dogs in Japan. Yeah, yeah. No, I was talking domestic. Um, but we've got the two big dogs here 
uh, on TV. And and no doubt about it, AEW is a distant second right now. I mean, even though they're beating uh, NXT on Wednesday nights most of the time, um, they're, they're still, it's a close race. And I mean, they're not beating Raw, they're not beating SmackDown, uh, and they're not directly competing with them, so that makes sense. But this is a time when we could start to see some uh, strategic alliances amongst the third, fourth, and fifth care, you know, in, in America, um, specifically Impact, Ring of Honor, and, and MLW. Although there's still there's a ton of indies that could also form partnerships with AEW that would be really handy. Yes, well, there 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 is, but I don't know. I I don't I don't look for those partnerships to be the the stronger partnerships. Well, here's what would be great with with the smaller partnership. <coughs> Forgive me, I'm battling a scratchy throat. Um, the the smaller partnerships, you know, I'm talking like the small indies and you know, like we talked about Magnum Wrestling here in in Nebraska, you know, things like that. Um, if AEW were to open up a partnership agreement concept where they said, hey. You know, we will sign uh, a talent swap agreement with you guys. When we are in your territory, we will use uh, wrestlers from your federation, from your group as enhancement talent on our show, giving them effectively exposure. Yeah, but Um, that's what WWE does already. Well, except, and here's where AEW could do it differently in a way that makes a bunch of sense. Um, WWE does it, but they don't actually contract directly with the um, independent Fed here. They contract mostly with the training places. They contact them and they say, hey, do you have any wrestlers that we can beat up on our show? And they always change the wrestlers' names um, and gimmicks entirely. They, they even give them fresh tights to wear that say their new name on it. Right. Um, an AEW could go a different way and give legitimacy to them by saying, hey, you know, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. He's currently Magnum Wrestling here in Omaha, Nebraska's United States champion or television champion, whatever, and give him a shot to show off what he can do, um, which helps build up the independent federation, which makes them more likely to want to do this sort of thing, but still helps build up AEW as the good guy who's wrestling friendly, you know, likes likes the independence. I think it's a win-win for both sides. So on a, on a side note, and then we're going to get back to this this uh, resolution for you, but on a side note, I just watched some of the GIFs from, uh, I'm sorry, maybe I should say that it's GIFs just so I can make you mad. Um... <laughs> Don't you effing dare. <laughs> um, some of the gifts from... Uh, Wrestle Kingdom? Wrestle Kingdom. And Takahashi's um, time bomb on Will Ospreay was vicious. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, they don't mess around in that stuff. They do not mess that's around at all. Impressive. It's like... A, well, no, that's... Maybe that's what he goes by his time bomb. Yeah. But he it, it's he does like a uh, I don't like a Death Valley driver, but it's front facing and just looks vicious with a sidewalk slam set up. Like I just I would love to. Here's the other benefit we get: we get some of these moves that we never see. Mm-hmm. Um, and AEW starts you know having some quote unquote finishers that are unique. And I mean, think about you know three years three four years ago before when when you and i lived in wwe land 
and you know maybe we were starting to get a little bit exposed to some of this other stuff but we weren't really getting anything all that unique even out of impact or um you know ring of honor and we got a little bit of unique stuff out of ring of honor and then suddenly either of us gets introduced to kenny omega and the one-winged angel and you're just like the setup is obviously not a very good setup because it doesn't really make sense that that you have to put that much work into a move but it's an incredible move well in some ways the the setup is actually part of the storyline you know the fact that it takes them enough that that you can do that the fact that it has that that intricate of a setup means it's not it's not a randy orton rko out of nowhere sort of a move You have no. to you have to do so much damage to them that they'll stand there swaying like let an idiot. You put like, them in the electric chair, let them the electric grab chair. your head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and thing. I think that's part of the storyline because like you watch those uh, Okada Omega matches and the storyline that they tell is can he get Okada to a point that he can hit this one winged angel on him? And um, that's true. And and he keeps he'll get close but not quite. He'll get get a little closer. He'll get him up, but right at the last second, Okada will slide down his back, you know, things like that. And that's that's a great storyline telling, you know, storytelling uh, tool that they use on that, that, you know, in WWE, they just love the out of nowhere sort of finish, which yeah. we've talked well, about. Or, and the, they don't even like the concept of finishers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing, I mean, we had this conversation a little bit the other day, uh, which yes, we got to actually have lunch. That was pretty cool, by the way. Um, we we uh, you know we're talking about things like the coffin drop and and you know stuff you just you don't ever see now, and they mean something there. You know that it's it's great to have it mean something. Uh, you and I discussed, and I think we came up with two, maybe three, if you count the Superman punch, protected moves, and none of them are, are true finishers. None of them are are it's done if this happens and i love that aew has a couple of those like the one-winged angel like i don't know if anybody's ever kicked out of the one-winged angel um i'll I'll have to check if my memory is correct he's a still nobody's kicked out of a truly hit one-winged angel um but that's like i said that's the storytelling element is that it takes so much for him to get him up there that he, he doesn't hit it in every match. In fact, he probably only hits it in 10% of his matches. You know, it's the move that he, he pulls out when he can't beat him any other way. Um, but yeah, I mean, just looking looking through, you know, uh, the matches at Wrestle Kingdom. So yeah, the eight-man tag uh, uh, on the preliminary show uh, that finished when uh, Taguchi hit Liger with his finisher. Then you had uh, Suzuki Goon uh, versus Los In- Ingonabros. Ah, I'm never gonna say that right. De Havon. Um, uh, and uh, Zack Saber uh, forced a submission with his Jim Breaks armbar, which is kind of one of his signature. Although Zack Saber Jr., he's such a mat technician, he's got a thousand different submission finishers. So. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Goto hit the GTR on Takahashi. Uh, uh, Finlay hit the acid drop on Tamatanga. Uh, uh, of course, John Moxley hit the Death Rider, which is the um, extreme lift double double underhook DDT that he does. So it's not just his dirty deeds, but it's the the lift them up one. 
<clears throat> but still a finisher that, as far as I know, hasn't been kicked out of yet. Um, of course, you talking about uh, uh, Takahashi with his time bomb. He actually hit uh, the time bomb and then hit a variation called the time bomb two, which is his new finishing move to win. And so I think it might have been the time bomb two that you saw. Right? Okay, that's what I saw then. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Naito hit his destino for the for the win. So that's another finisher. So so far on night one, almost every one of them ended with a finisher move. Um, and then you got the main event, uh, Okada versus Kota Ibushi, uh, which ended with a tombstone pile driver and a rainmaker, which are his two signature finisher moves. So, <clears throat> you know, there you've still got a bunch of protected finishers, right? The, the question I do have one question: Did we get some? Uh, did we get to tell part of the AEW storyline with Jericho and Moxley at all? As far as I know, uh, there wasn't a ton of that uh, there. Moxley continued his, um, he's he's out to show uh, Japan that he's crazy. So I don't think they did any of that. Although, like I said, it's important that the AEW belt was shown heavily on TV and talked about. And that means on. something. Yeah, that definitely means something. Because otherwise you just tell Jericho, hey, don't bring that thing, would you? Hey, could you not bring the belt for the promotion that's not us, please? <laughs> um, and so and then you know the night two uh you had on uh, the preliminary matches uh takashi at the time bomb on liger to win uh you had uh and my thing just jumped around on me um hey by the way Jushin Thunder liger one you won't get in the exchange that was nope. his retirement thing yeah he is done but thir- still over 30 years I mean, he's. I, in fact, I got to be honest. I think I read a thing that he's wrestled in four decades because he was active in the '80s, the '90s, the 2000s, 2010s, five decades. Because he wrestled in the 2010s, 2020. Excuse me. And he was pretty big deal even in the '80s for sure. In the '90s, mm-hmm. well into the 2000s and 2010s, and you know, this makes this makes five decades worth of wrestling for him. Granted, he's what. Uh, just short of 50 so mm-hmm. really young when he started in the 80s and knocking on so, 50 obviously and still doing some of the crazy stuff mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's what i said he's wrestling at a very high level after all wasn't, of that he, a, wasn't he a title holder recently in japan i believe so i, thought, I, I have to do so i thought he had a pretty good feud if i remember right last year yeah but so uh, up, up on all of the promotions there are though well, it's, it's hard enough to keep up on just the American promotion. I wish I I wish I could justify spending money on New Japan World so that I could watch all those matches. But with, as we said, 11 hours of, of uh, American wrestling just in AEW, WWE, and NXT. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then adding in that um, every four weeks or so you get a pay-per-view sometimes two if it's a takeover weekend or if it's a weekend with uh aw pay-per-view as well you know things like that oh it could be exhausting but i would love to you better um, love doing this because it's a part-time job and it doesn't make it, it it doesn't pay very well so no we're doing this for sure by being part-time jobbers Ooh, yeah. part-time jobbers but so um Looking here, uh, John, John Moxley at the Death Rider for uh, against uh, Juice Robinson. Uh, Goto hit the GTR on Kenta. Uh, 
do, do, do. I get some crackle. I'm adjusting here, so that's fine. Um, I don't have to write that down. I'm sure that people understand that I am cheap and don't have good equipment. <laughs> uh, Jericho hit the code breaker and then the lion tamer. So I mean, yeah, it's just like, no Judas elbow though. No Judas elbow, but but that's kind of the thing. I've I've been very impressed with Jericho for this. Re- he built up this Judas elbow, but he only breaks it out when absolutely like. A-Dubs. Well, not even just an AEW, just only when it's absolutely necessary. Because, like, he didn't even break it out in the match versus Jungle Boy uh, that no. went to a 10-minute time limit draw. He didn't break it out in that. And I think storyline-wise, you could argue that he didn't break it out because Jungle Boy was beneath, you know. You're not worthy of using my... You're worthy of a code breaker and walls. Was it walls or lion tamer? I think it was the walls of Jericho. I think he did a lion tamer earlier. I just, uh, frankly... And there's nothing against Chris Jericho. I think his body uh, can't do the the lion tamer for a long period of time anymore, uh, because the lion tamer is significantly harder on the body to do, right? Well, he's got to bend his knee. <clears throat> well, because you got to bend up. your knee, and you're actually holding the body more upright, right? Because the person is only on their upper chest, shoulders, and neck, uh, instead of in the walls of Jericho where you're sitting down almost on their back. So for yeah. the lion tamer, you're holding up their body weight um, and True. basically doing it on one foot because your other foot is bent with your knee in their back. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's significantly harder uh, physically to do. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for uh, switching to the walls of Jericho. I just always like the lion tamer so much. Yeah. And, you know, there's another thing to be said for your resolution here. This isn't just beneficial in what you're shooting for for AEW. Yes, we'll see it more because we force ourselves to watch every one of these every single week. But it's also beneficial for Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something to be said. Japan really, whether we, whether we want to admit it or not, Japan's also very good at making heel Americans or heel non-Japanese. They also make heel Japanese. But they, they that's one Vinceism that they still subscribe to there because for the most part, Japanese people are of Japanese descent, mostly yeah. in Japan. Like well, that's not... the deal. <clears throat> it's easy for us to forget um, or at least overlook it because in history, we were on one side of this. But in Japan... Uh, Americans were the ones who dropped bombs on, right? Yeah. Uh, and so there's still that uh, undercurrent in their society of the invading Westerner. Correct. And so, so they and they play that up in in, in professional wrestling there. Then because um, it sells still there. It does. It. I think you. It, there'd be more playing it up um, domestically for us if it sold still. It's just as a whole, I mean, we saw that that Christian and Test, the un-Americans, didn't really do that well, you know? Um, You saw in an event that you went to live 20 years ago. But he's uh, foreign. But he's foreign. It worked for an 8th grader, 7th grader, Mm 6th grader, however old this kid was. Yeah. In Podunk, Nebraska. In, In Redneck, Nebraska, yeah. Um, you know, and for the most part, the dudes in the audience, the older men in the audience that were your age and older probably weren't standing there going, we have to kill this storm. 
Yeah. He's Canadian. You know, it wasn't it wasn't eighties uh Iron Sheik era. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no, and th- I think that's that's a lot of what I was getting at is because <clears throat> like you said, I mean we were very entrenched in WWE mostly because it was the only thing that we could easily watch for a long time. But, you know, I've told my storyline was I stopped watching wrestling not long after WCW went. And it was Ring of Honor in New Japan that kind of caught me back into it. Like my my wife will mention, you know, uh, a few times where like Monday night we're sitting around the house and we didn't have anything to watch and I'd flip on Raw and I'd watch it. But like most of the time, I even remember a conversation I had with a friend of mine who he was talking about how, uh, how much he really liked um, some of the characters on Raw and he, he brought up some of the characters and they were all people that, I mean, they're still around today like Seamus, but I remember turning on at the time, this was Seamus's first run and and being like, ah, I guess oh. well, and so much of it was oh, I didn't know I, I, you know, I didn't know anything about him and, and so it was hard to get involved, right? And then I turned on Ring of Honor um, or maybe even turned on YouTube and saw footage of the uh, Osprey-Ricochet match that took place on the indies uh, that just blew my mind. And yes, I get all of the criticism with it that it was uh, very much like a choreographed gymnastic show but not a wrestling match. I get it and I understand those, but at the same point, it was something that the world had never really seen before. And if you look at wrestling today... Even in WWE, that's the way things have gone, you know? Um, oh, and, and so I cannot help but think that an active New Japan presence on American TV could only help the wrestling landscape as a whole come up. Oh, for sure. I, I, I would say that's an undeniable statement. And that's why I just hope you know, that's why my hopes and dreams on this are that they can figure out some way to work together and turn this this frown upside down into a smile that helps a lot of people get over. You know? Absolutely. I think I think I wholeheartedly agree with you on that front. I mean, you know, you just look at the roster of uh, New Japan. And, like, even the ones... I mean, there are a lot that I don't know really well. Like, I don't know Tanahashi. I know. I've seen a few of his matches here and there. <clears throat> I don't know Tamahiro Ishii as well as some. Um, we've, we've seen Kenta when he was in uh, WWE. Um, not very long ago, in fact. Not very long ago, exactly. So, we've got things like that. But, like, Juice Robinson... Uh, I would love to see him wrestle almost anyone on the AEW roster, right? Well, or think of think of getting all that amazing Will Ospreay flip-de-doo, and in return, they get um, some excessive uh, or some some wonderful. Uh, oh my heavens, um, Darby Allen! You know, they they get to pick up some Darby Allen and and imagine sharing those in matches whether it's in japan or domestically um or you know uh in the i I don't want to say u.s because it also affects us in canada if we can um but you know if we can get that in either location that's a gift Uh Uh, but but even like 
Like, uh, I'd love to see Naito wrestle here. I'd love to see Jay White wrestle over here. Um, I, you know, I know you don't have a ton of experience with uh, the Switchblade, um, but uh, I got to see some of his matches coming up and then some of his matches more recently, and he's really entertaining, and it'd be wonderful to see him wrestle on American tier, domestic tier. Um, Kota Ibushi, it would be great to see him reunite, even just for a one-off match with uh, Kenny Omega. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and I mean, just just going down the list, Zack Sabre Jr. would be phenomenal to have on uh, American TV, because he does something that basically no one out there right now does as well and that's the mat based wrestling um so you could have him in a match with one of your bigger flip um and show off this contrast style think about the great matches that we got with a mat based technician in Dean Malenko and at the same time Rey Mysterio on the other side Mm -hmm. like how amazing were those matches because you had flip doos versus I don't leave the ground for anything Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep my on the ground. Yeah, so those are the those are definite benefits to have on both sides. Um, you know, uh, I I am not a huge fan of the number of suicide dives that happen these days, but you know, you don't have to be a huge fan of the number of suicide dives that happen in that world. You can have a couple of them and not have to have all of them. Yeah. Well, and that's the deal. Is I mean, the biggest. Biggest thing that hurts the suicide dives is the people standing around outside like idiots waiting so they can catch the guy, you know? Yes, I would agree that, with that. Part of that life. when they were done well, it was done in a way where the people outside uh, were able to look like they were still caught unaware. Uh, and I get it. It's really, really tough to choreograph, you know? Um, which is why you just don't do it as often. Uh, do it when you can choreograph it well but but at the same point like i just i just can't help but see that this could be a time and and i'm not even just talking AEW because wwe could take a chance to partner with one of those other ones um or i mean i I keep hearing rumors that wwe is going to try to buy ring of honor um and i don't really know if wwe is gonna fork out the money for ring of honor if that happens thank god jay lethal is almost retired Yeah. Nothing against him for those who love Jay Lethal, but ooh, <clears throat> yeah, only so much of so much pretended to be Macho Man I can deal with. Holy Black cow! Oh yeah! <laughs> Stop! <laughs> it, was, <coughs> it was a good storyline thirty years ago, folks. <laughs> but uh, uh, but so that that's kind of my hopes and dreams for this is that. You know, WWE could partner with uh, Ring of Honor or an MLW, do an invasion storyline. I know that has such a dirty connotation ever since the uh, uh, WCW, ECW invasion storyline that just sucked. Um, but they could still they do bury their competition. I mean, the problem but, is you still have Vince there, and he's going to want to bury his competition. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of the problem is when you do an invasion, you have to make the invading force look badass. That's what the uh, NWO did so well is they came in and they kicked the crap out of some of the biggest stars in WCW at the time. Yeah, um, and so and that's what you know AEW could do a, a New Japan invasion where 
you know, a bunch of the big stars from New Japan show up on Revolution or whatever and beat up on some of the big stars. And I think they understand that to have an invasion, you have... I mean, it's the reason the inner circles work so well, is that they've gone and beat up pretty much anyone who got in their way. Um, Correct. So I think... Nobody, I, nobody's realistically sitting there going, Sam McVarra, toughest guy on the planet. Like, it's just it's, it's not no. happening. <laughs> no, because he's got the muscle behind him to help. Correct. Um, and so I think it, I think it could be good. Now, I, am I saying that I think it's going to happen within the next two months? Probably not. I think it's going to be a a long uh, thing. To oh, I think before New Japan even even remotely considers the concept, they're going to see how AEW played this out this week. Yeah, you know, well, no, gonna... that's, my, that's my thing. Is I think it's going to be a long-term sort of negotiation. I, I think if this happens, we're not talking before July in my, my mind. You know what I mean? Uh, we're talking back and forth negotiations for months uh, before either side is willing to let this go. But at the same point, they've got to strike when the iron's hot. And they've got to got to do it in a way that doesn't telegraph, you know. If uh, if the trades and the dirt sheets leak this before it happens, it ruins half the fun. Um, and so it's got to be something that they they're able to work behind closed doors and have happen surprise. But that's my my hope. My resolution is that some sort of an accord. And even if it's not AEW and New Japan, if it's AEW and Ring of Honor or AEW and Impact. Or even AEW Impact won't ever happen again. You you apparently are not familiar with the Okada in in Impact storyline. No, I'm familiar with Okada. That's why New Japan and Impact, but AEW and Impact could happen. Oh, okay, I get what you're saying. AEW Impact, yes. I thought you were implying. No, uh, I don't think. Even if we take New Japan out of it, even if it's not New Japan, although that'd be the ideal partner in my book, an AEW and Impact or AEW and Ring of Honor. Or AEW and MLW. I mean, this would help raise the MLW uh, portfolio really high. Well, uh, leaps and bounds. I mean, and MLW already has connections with AEW because a bunch of their former stars uh, are now in AEW, like, um, and still wrestling occasionally in MLW. Uh, but like, um, MJF was a was a big name in MLW, you know, and still wrestled there until recently. Um, And so, you know, that would make a pretty good fit in terms of you could have these people show up on MLW, you could have them show up on AEW, and uh, this cross-promotion, and it just would bring MLW up in the spotlights. It would help fill out these rosters that, uh, you know, some people still say that AEW's roster is thin. I don't think it's so much thin. I think it just focuses so much on tag teams that its main event singles roster seems a little thin. That makes any sense? I, I would agree with that. And so having a a few more main event men show up, you know, uh, would be really handy, you know? And so, uh, like, Jacob Fatu, who's son of Fatu, you know, uh... Or, or, you know, they could do an invasion storyline and make Mabel be the third man. Finally, the Mabel Mabel gets to be the third man. I don't, I don't think that happened. But I'm just looking at the MLW roster, and I just think, you know, uh, Jacob Fatu, Davy Boy Smith Jr., uh, 
would be fun to to see on AEW. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, there's MJF still showing on the active MLW roster right there. Jimmy Havoc still showing on the active MLW roster. Uh, man, you know, they've, they've just got some pretty good talent all in all um, in there that it would be kind of fun to see show up in uh, Savio Vegas in MLW. Huh. Anyways, but so so I just think it could be a ton of fun to to have this cross promotion between AEW and another promotion um, that would help elevate both sides, help fill out a uh, supposedly thin singles roster. Uh, I don't know. That's just my my hopes. Yeah, I like that idea. But I think we've talked enough about my hopes and dreams. So what are your resolution for the wrestling world? Okay, I'm going to preface this with do not stab me. I can make no such promises. <laughs> because this is a hope and dream that is that is going to sound worse than it is. My hope and dream in the A in the WWE landscape is that oh, is that they continue to have storylines that attract casual fans but make them also attractive to wrestling fans. Hey, that's where you don't get stabbed, is that part there. <laughs> because um, the Lana Rusev storyline is not a good one, WWE. But the concept of doing the casual fan storyline is an absolute gift because all of us wrestling fans at one point or another started as casual fans. No, I get it. I get it. I just, <clears throat> I just think uh, they've fallen too back on some some of the worst things about the uh, Attitude Era, instead of trying to look at some of the best things. Well, in order to pull off the Attitude Era, you have to have people you're willing to let speak, like Chris Jericho, The Rock, etc., etc. Um, but you also have to have, you know, a, you also have to let people. Um, speak like that. You have to be willing to let them speak like that, so they have to be capable of speaking. Here's the thing: um, <laughs> we, we will never have another Attitude Era for for a lot of reasons. But the biggest one is kind of like grunge music in the '90s. The Attitude Era could only really exist in its time, right? In that bubble of time, yes. In that exact bubble of time, and just like like I said, grunge. I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. But if Pearl Jam were to release 10 today, it would not be the huge hit that it was back in 1991. Uh, same thing with Nirvana. Uh, of course, Nirvana couldn't release it today because... Well, they could. They just couldn't have Kurt Cobain there. Yeah. And it's um, not a sensitivity. It's just fact. And that's the deal is, is in the Attitude Era, the things, the things that made the Attitude Era great were not the things that a lot of people think are there like so many people go back to the attitude era and they think oh it was great because they had uh sexual overtones and violence on t you know that wasn't what made the great um oh because they they uh they dropped dropped f-bombs they'd bleep them but they'd say them and they they weren't pg friendly that's not what made the attitude era what made the attitude era great was their commitment to storyline to telling a story that wasn't just 
this person wants that person's belt. Correct. Um, and yes, there were a lot of Attitude Era stories that fell flat. Um, you know, uh, almost anything involving Mabel. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So pretty flat. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, how many King of the Rings have fallen flat? I mean, yeah, there's been some that have been great, but most of the King of Rings, Macho King, I would say was good. Booker T, King Booker was pretty good, and Stone Cold. Uh, even Bret Hart, when he was King of the Ring, was just like, oh, okay, well, you're Bret freaking hard, man. Like, yeah, he, he get a personality. I think Corbin's probably the fourth best King of the Ring character adjustment in history. Well, that's the deal is. King of the Ring ideally works for elevating someone from mid-card to main event, or at least upper mid-card, you know? That's why it works so well for Stone Cold. You take someone who's on their way up, you have them win King of the Ring, and then they walk around like a king for a while, and it helps put them in the main event. Um, The problems that most of the time you saw happen were people who were already main event caliber, who then they win King of the Ring, and it's like, yeah, what? this doesn't help them. Anyway, why'd they do it? Correct. But anyways, go back, talk about storylines. I will keep my mouth shut. For I just, the the facts are, and, and yes, I am frustrated with the Lana and Rusev storyline. So don't think that I'm excited about this, but the facts are that storyline has brought in more viewers. People have stopped not watching. And it's not that I want to see more Lana and Rusev. So my hopes for this year are that they won't overcommit to bad stories just to make them compelling stories. You can write a lot of compelling bad stories. If you're a New England Patriots fan, last night there was a compelling bad story for those fans. Um, don't Don't ruin wrestling um, in an attempt to become the Patriots, you know, because <laughs> at the end of the day, man, uh, I, I love that Brady's career might have ended on an interception, and I'm not—I'm a non-Patriots fan. But if you're a Patriots fan, you're like, man, you couldn't—you couldn't end with you know a dropped pass in the end zone. You had to end with an interception. Well, that, that's why I was just gonna step in here to to just mention how uh, wonderful it was that uh, the Patriots are out of the playoffs. Um, so, Texans fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, d- don't I'm, get me wrong. I'm not excited that the Texans have to face the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's not a game I'm looking forward. To. But as someone who has also uh, hated watching Tom Terrific come in every season and get all of the accolades at the end of the year, uh, I liked to see him you know, flounder. But, but just to, to, in to terms your of point. I mean, it was a good storyline as a whole for all of NFL because bad because the bad guy was winning. <laughs> but I hate just, saying it that way, but that's true. Just uh, back to your uh, uh, talking about Raw or WWE specifically. I'm on their Facebook, another Facebook, their YouTube channel right now. And uh, of all the videos they posted, from uh, Rod last week, the two highest viewed segments are the Liv Morgan returning during Lana's wedding and the after Raw went off the air, Lana continues to throw a fit. Uh, those have a combined uh, 7.7 million views, right? They actually got out, they, the, those two segments out viewed 
um, I think like six segments combined. Yeah, probably at least. I mean, it was it was the highest rated Raw segment of the entire year, and I'm pointing out that that aired last year in 2019 still. So it was not. I I got into a Facebook argument with someone who is like, oh, highest rated segment of of the year so far, and I'm like, nope, that was last year. That was the last episode in 2019, and that segment got the highest ratings out of all of them. Right. Uh, the the only segment that came close uh, to the views on YouTube is Randy Orton uh, RKOing uh, AJ with 2.8 yeah, million. That's what blew my mind is. Randy Orton, RKO, and AJ lost to that. But like Ricochet versus Andrade, the highlights got uh, four hundred thousand views. Uh, the um, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins versus Drew McIntyre got two hundred twenty-four thousand views. Street Profits versus the OC, two hundred thirty-six thousand views. I mean, these things didn't even break a million views, right? Uh, so let's 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 have another aspect to that. Alistair Black to... versus Buddy Murphy, which could have also... arguably been the match of the night. Uh, Four hundred twenty-two thousand. I'm also hopeful that fans um, start representing themselves well enough to go, you know. So so I'm hopeful that storylines get told better and and everything like that. But I'm also hopeful that fans. Uh, subscribe to the better storyline too, um, because the this the Alistair Black versus uh, Buddy Murphy match and the whole setup has been really good, and now it's kind of droning. I, I think you, even you would say that, and you're a huge Buddy Murphy fan. Yeah, and I think that's also another thing we need to point out is at what point do we go as fans? Well, no wonder they keep putting on the garbage because we're the ones looking at the wrong garbage. Well, yeah, that's the deal. And and you and I right now are, are guilty um, because we spent this last two weeks avoiding WWE for the most part. And not, not like we made a choice to avoid WWE, but no, there's just... been a lot of crap going on in our lives. Uh, we've had family uh, that we needed to get together with for Christmas, um, family that we needed to get together with for New Year's. Some of us had some traveling to do in that time, you know, I mean, a whole lot of stuff going on that prioritizing sitting down and watching a three hour Raw and a two hour Smackdown uh, was tough to do. Right. Correct. Not making excuses, just the way it was. Um, and so but because of that, it means that our eyeballs did not count for viewing on any of the other segment. Right. Um, yeah. And that's what us wrestling fans and I think this is your point. That's what we need to do is vote with our eyeballs. Right? Yeah. Turn on the TV when the good stuff is on and turn to a different channel when the bad stuff is on. Because right now, uh, according to the ratings numbers, the numbers that Vincent McMahon looks at, the Lana Rusev Lashley storyline is by far the most popular storyline. And we can talk about how much we hate it all we want, but that's not that's just noise um that's all we're doing is making noise you know what we need to do is make votes by watching the parts and in a way that's why i uh i prioritize aew on wednesday night not to say anything that i don't like about nxt but for me i'm voting with my eyeballs because i want my my 
one view to show up on AEW versus NXT. Correct. And I think as a whole, we as fans, that's that's the way we win that. You know, um, I love the the voting uh, uh, concept there. Uh, my my uh, so uh, Smarks is very very familiar with my penchant for diet Dr Pepper and my. Uh, at the courthouse recently, we got new soda machines that did not have Diet Dr. Pepper. And I said, you guys should put it in there because at some point, you're going to realize I vote with my wallet and I'm going to outvote everybody in this building in terms of an individual soda. And I know that sounds cheesy and dumb, but at the end of the day, I knew what was going to happen. And the Frappuccino that outscored my wallet or my Diet Dr. Pepper hasn't sold out yet and i've sold out diet dr pepper after they put it in four times uh-huh. so i get what you're saying like i i agree with that and i hope i hope we as fans start voting with our with our eyes with our wallets so know? yeah so so i guess that's where the plea comes here right anyone out there who's listening to this um who uh has talked about how they hate the rusev lana storyline yeah, anyone out there who's talked about how they hate certain things of it, um, make sure the WWE sees that by turning on something else so that, yes, they're still going to get some people, the uh, the looky-loos who like the scandalous nature of things, to tune in. But if you tune out at the same time, that offsets, at least. Uh, but inversely, <clears throat> don't let your dislike of the Lana Rusev storyline stop you from watching the Buddy Murphy versus Aleister Blacks and the Andrades versus whoever, you know? Um, you also got to vote positively for the things that you do like by actually watching them. Um, and the only way, the only reason that the Lana and Rusev storyline looks like it's doing so good is because Raw has been doing so bad overall elsewhere. And if we start voting with our eyeballs for the things that we like, that's going to help show them what things are are popular, what things they need to continue to do. Because like I said, that Aleister Black Buddy Murphy match was fire. Oh, absolutely. match of the night. Um, and got one-tenth the views on YouTube. Right? There's no reason. I might just go set my YouTube up to just play that on repeat overnight just to help as much I can. <laughs> it, it doesn't work just for future reference. We aren't getting paid anymore for our YouTube visits. No, but but it just, you know, even if it, it takes that up from 402,000 to 402,012, you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway... Yeah. In no, fairness, I, uh, I'm not going to do that because I'm really co- close to my data cap, uh, and I've got one more day to go, so I might uh, not do. That. So no, and 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 the same goes for all other promotions because there's been some bad, uh, bad, bad storyline that is just not entertaining in AEW. Riho had her first match since Full Gear. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. The women's champion had her first full match since full gear. And I understand that they're playing nice with the little guys. Mm-hmm. Can, can we start calling her just like little Brock Lesnar? <laughs> Tiny just, Brock. For, just for the time being, but she still shows up more than he does. Yeah. Um, 
I have a feeling, I have a significant feeling that in a couple days it won't be an issue with Riho anymore. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it'll be on an issue with, I don't know, somebody else that we just had to move a match for because of their agreements. Does nobody have Google Calendar? Well, my suspicion on that whole thing was that uh, AEW was negotiating with them the whole time and thought that they had made an agreement with them that was satisfactory and that, and that's why they went forward with the storyline of Chris Statlander winning and then uh, the talks broke down a bit and uh, Bar Wrestling, which was the company that she was working for, uh, you know, said, hey, there's we just can't move things around. We can't find anyone of of her stature that can replace her for this night. Um, so Especially I think AEW on the app. Yeah. But I think AEW was working really hard to do it. Uh, and then just decided, you know what? Uh, we could push and we could probably stomp our feet and point to a contract that she signed and said, you have to pull out of that because you signed this contract or we can be the nice guys and let, let her go do that. That being they- said, she did also deliver her farewell speech at that event too. Uh, so I don't think uh, we're going to have to worry about Chris Statlander having that problem anymore. Uh, Good. That's just my suspicion, I would say. But uh, I think we all want to see more Chris Statlander. I want to see Chris Statlander. I want to see Hikaru Shida more. Um, I'm I'm a little bit fine with not seeing much more Britt Baker for a bit. Um, oh, you I, are such a smart. No, it's just uh, to be perfectly honest. It's not her wrestling. It was her uh, mic work afterwards when she went and delivered her promo against uh, Rio and everything that I'm just like, you know what? I think I think she can take a step back for a bit and let I mean, Hikaru Shida is phenomenal. You and I both love Chris Statlander. Let them lead the women's division for a bit. Um, and you can focus on your mic work and go have fun with your boyfriend. Did you see any of the, just because this popped into my head, uh, uh, some of the people from AEW posted pictures from the AEW Christmas party, and they're all having a good time hanging out. And then a couple of them, you can see Adam Cole in the background, just chilling, talking to someone. And someone posted, who's the dead man in the corner? <laughs> so, uh, I thought that was funny. Who were who was in the corner? Uh, Mr. Bebe. Oh, okay. Sorry. You said I, I figured else. you'd know by context because I was talking about Britt Baker. friend. Do you think he gets free dental work? Well, the amount of shots to the face he takes, I better hope so. Plus, he works for a company that doesn't provide dental uh, insurance, so, you know. Correct. This is actually a pretty big question. I mean, Britt, he might just be dating you for the dental work. Yeah, and, you know, instead, you could date a DA and, you know, get some get-out-of-jail-free cards. Get-out-of-wrestling-jail-free cards? I'm just yeah. saying. I'm here. I'm single. Yep. I'm, I'm not going to run into any problems with him showing up in the background of your photos. Yeah, mostly because I won't be able to afford to make the trip. So never, never going to have to worry about you getting in trouble because you show up in the crowd looking all shocked while he gets beat up because that D.A. ain't going to get beat up. <laughs> Correct, because I'm a D.A. Yeah, and a coward. I mean, what? <laughs> all right. So other story. I mean, I. 
I want to see this as a whole because there is a couple failures. There, there is a little bit of a failure on AEW's behalf to not make some. So now that now that WWE is in the process of starting to make some uh, uh, casual watching storylines, um, albeit one is bad. Um, I'd like to see AEW do some of that. And I think maybe they are, but I think they're going a little bit cliche. Um, I hope they didn't reset. I think you and I both loved the. I didn't realize the Dark Order um, storyline was being lit up by fans so badly. Um, I actually kind of it was enjoying it. The, it. Once they started the Join the Dark Order concept, the website and all that stuff, I've kind of climbed on board. I'm still not sold on... Uh, specifically evil uno as a wrestler like Stu grayson uh i see enough flashes of brilliance with him but evil uno really hasn't impressed me just yet but this whole multi-level marketing cult concept i'm digging it and they're obviously telling a storyline more on if you watch uh being the elite and aw dark on youtube you see it a little bit more which um uh, is kind of a shame because I think both of those really uh, need more views if we're going to start including storylines on them. You know what I mean? There yeah, are enough people I... that don't watch Being the Elite that are now missing out on a segment of the storyline. I mean, it'd be like if WWE had main event storylines take place on main event. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, it can be a piece in the puzzle, but it doesn't have to be the whole puzzle. But so there, there's a storyline part that they're telling on there where one of the minions from the beatdown that happened a few weeks ago, uh, one of the minions is shown in the uh, bathroom afterwards, uh, washing the blood off their hands and throwing the mask in the trash. And uh, so obviously they're telling a storyline that one of them is <clears throat> either questioning their involvement with it or that they uh, were not actually a minion they got in just to pay, play a part in that beatdown for a different reason. Um, so I, I get that storyline kind of going, and I'm kind of digging it, but like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to hold off a little bit on the Darby Allen Cody storyline because so far, uh, as much as I like Darby Allen and Cody, the storyline basically comes across as I want to beat you, and that's it. And there, there really can be something more to it. Um, yeah. And and I think that I, might be coming. But you know, the interesting thing on that, and, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm recapping when I probably shouldn't be because the show isn't designed for that. Did you notice Darby Allen actually had a more offensive match? Like there was more offense in this match this time that he lost than there was in the one that he had the tie. He he also uh, had a lot darker of a face paint. Um, which I think was probably on purpose. Uh, he he did a lot heavier black to it this time, um, and then was a little bit like more vicious and and like there were times where he almost went over the edge and like got, got deep things like that, you know, which tells a storyline which I'm hoping for. But like you go to the women's match and it's just hey here are four women who want the title. Moxley versus Trent was, hey, here's two people who want to fight. There's no buildup yeah. to it, you know. Uh, there was buildup to the Dustin Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara match, 
but that's mostly based off the uh, inner circle beating up on Dustin Jake Hager sort of storyline. Uh, they're building up the MJF versus Cody storyline, so they're working there. Uh, they had a th- whole storyline going thread going through this week was could uh, the elite uh, get back on the right path with a win, and so that was kind of cool to see, you know. So oh. yeah. I, and it's pretty obvious they're they're writing a storyline um, with uh, Adam Page on under that same token. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something's being written there. Uh, maybe not Dark Order, but there's something being written. Yeah, um, I think I think it's mostly just him turning turning heel on the team, not necessarily joining the Dark Order. Maybe joining the Inner Circle. Maybe a big maybe taking it over the inner circle because at the end of the day Chris has to go tour with Fozzie at some point mm-hmm. so he, he's had almost a year of showing up weekly there's got to be a point where Chris is not showing up weekly yeah well it's not going to happen until after the wrestling rager at sea which is going on this coming week well, it's not going to happen until after until after Moxley Moxley or someone takes the title yeah. off of him so but I mean, but no. I I would tell you in the next six months there will be a Chris Jericho loss, and I hope that they start to learn. That's the other thing. I do hope that they also start to learn. Somebody out there learn. Title movement is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Title movement for the wrong reasons is a bad thing. Well, and more specifically, title movement to the wrong people is a bad thing, right? Yeah. I mean, no one was angry. We have to ruin. At some point, we have to ruin the fiend because mm-hmm. of title move. Well, and and to use a more classic example, no one was angry that the title changed hands in 1999. Uh, WCW. They were angry that David Arquette was the one who. You know what I mean? Um, or no one was angry. So everybody, including Eric Bischoff, thought, why would you put the title on McFoley? Nobody was angry that the title went on McFoley. Nobody was really all that angry when it went back in less than a week. But that's the deal. It's, it's, it's about who it jumps to, not how often it jumps, right? As much as I love Zack Ryder, you have Zack Ryder suddenly win the WWE title uh, in a fluke that hurts the title. You have Zack Ryder win the Intercontinental title or the U.S. title doesn't hurt the title because that's the level that it elevates Zack Ryder Uh when you do that. But like in, we'll use WWE as a perfect example. Right now at the top of both Raw and SmackDown, there's probably about three or four people that legitimately the title could bounce between on each show that would not hurt the title in any way. And could eventually elevate an upper level. So (laughs) when you say three and four, let's just use Raw as an example because we've done a little bit of Raw talking tonight. You're talking of those three and four. You are talking Brock. Mm -hmm. Um, You're probably talking Kevin Owens. Yep. You're talking Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Smojo. Yep, those would be the four that come to my mind. And if you wanted to elevate somebody, you throw in Drew McIntyre. Drew Mm -hmm. McIntyre. Like, oh, by the way, here's one more that can do that. And so I don't think there's pain in any of that for anyone doing that movement. Um, And Brock can take more time off. And Brock can have time off without it 
hurting the title because it's not shown. Yeah. <laughs> and, and well, I'm and not you can even that I don't want Brock to have the title. I'm saying that I don't want Brock to have the title and not be there. And you could even protect Brock by having it be an injury. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Where, where during the match with Drew McIntyre, Drew, uh, there's a ref bump. And then, versus me. <laughs> yeah, Drew, Drew does that that Alabama slam onto the uh, ring steps that he likes to do with the refs not looking, and then uh, Claymore kicks the knee or whatever, puts the knee in between the ring steps and Claymore kicks the, the ring steps and and then rolls Brock into the ring and pins him to win. And then Brock Lesnar is gone for six months with an air quotes injury uh, and then can come back after six months and you can set up a feud where he doesn't, he's not after the title, he's just after Drew McIntyre again, you know. Elevates Drew McIntyre, makes him look like a badass because he wouldn't take you know, wouldn't take anything lying down and do anything Put to Brock win. Brock the shelf, but elevates Brock because nobody actually beat Brock. Like, you can even have, you can have McIntyre injure him and not have him lose the title. There's just ref stoppage. Like, that one's okay to do. You just can't do ref stoppage. To the yeah, unless it's a hell in a cell. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there, WWE. If any of you are listening... Um, we are fine with the idea of a ref stoppage unless it's in some sort of match that's designed to be no DQ. I've never seen a a ref stoppage match in WWE until Hell in a Cell. Not for a not where not where there was a title that was you know yeah something like that. Like I've seen re- I, I, let me take that back. I've seen ref stoppage. Um, I've seen times where it should have been ref stoppage. Sting and Seth Rollins, um, but. There should not have been ref stop. There should not have. Indeed. No reason to harp on the past. So, yeah, I would love to see some storyline telling that, that really, I want the casual fan involved. I really do. I want the person who scrolls along and whoopses across, and, and I'm going to say a bra and panties match, even though I don't want it to be bra and panties matches, but the the... 15-year-old kid who comes across the bra and panties match and is excited. Maybe not a bra and panties match, but something along those lines. Uh, That's what they tried to do with the uh, Liv Morgan segment. The the problem is it doesn't always have to be a bra and panties match. It can be something else. It can be, oh, wow, did you hear what that dude said last night? You know. That's where, um, and I know you don't watch Impact very often or ever, um, but when, when talking about storylines, Impact has done a really good job telling a storyline right now, specifically with Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan. That she's where, the best wrestler. Well, but even more than that, where he is a misogynistic asshole um, who, who basically doesn't think women stand a chance and should be wrestling at all. And so she's not necessarily out to prove that she's the best wrestler in the world. She's out to prove that she belongs in the ring that she can beat him um okay and it's good it's a good storyline that's compelling and it's compelling partially because of the storyline partially because of the characters because you've got sammy callahan uh who's redneck and and misogynistic and just an a-hole uh you've got disco inferno glenn gilberti uh running a second fiddle not connected to Sammy Callahan, but still just lighting up Twitter in character of how women should just, you know, stand and her that and the, and mind you, that particular character has been going on for 
two years, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had the whole the segment with the smoke show for a long yeah. time too. So this is not the first he's done that. So you know that's the other thing is we keep characters and storylines significantly longer. It sounds like there as well. Well, and I think a lot of it now uh, impacts tapes in advance, which you and I have talked before about how. I feel that that helps your ability to do long-term story playing uh, because since you're taping in advance, you uh, have less risk of the sudden injury derailing your plans um, so much. It's still there because this is still a physical sport that has injury. Uh, but you're also tied into it uh, for more and more time. You know, if you're recording three weeks at a time, uh, you can't change your storyline if week one doesn't have the sort of response that you expected it. You have to stick with it for week two and week three because you've already recorded it. And there are a lot of times that WWE has abandoned the storyline after week one that I think if they would have kept the storyline for week two, uh, they would have found that it it worked. You know what I mean? That just week one was a week. 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 Yeah, there you go. So it was a week um, it was a week. Week. A week. 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 Uh, and so I think I think that's a benefit that Impact has that you know when they write a story like they're committing to it for at least two or three weeks. Uh, they're not go. They don't have that ability to look at the uh, next day ratings and decide. Oh, geez, this quarter hour didn't do as well so let's change that whole storyline up they also well, don't have a vincent k mcmahon coming in and tearing up the script half an hour before the show each which i think helped i really wish he didn't have the same first name and middle initial as me yeah it really sucks Rough. Uh, if only there was some way to change your name <laughs> there's not we tried it's not there's not not Never. none at all you've always been vincent k fabe even on this show yes Always been. Always been. Uh, so that's my hope. That's my resolution is that we do get casual fan storylines because I enjoy casual fan storylines. I do not enjoy, I, I don't enjoy Rusev and Lana for numerous reasons. Um, I don't enjoy the concept that, that somebody's getting married a week after their divorce. Like, wow. it's just dumb. And that, yeah. that it's okay for people to violently interfere with a wedding. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things. First of all, um, in almost every state in the United States, um, there is a clause in every divorce that uh, states you have to wait a certain amount of time before you get remarried. Almost every state. Um, and so with the divorce having just been signed two weeks earlier, uh, there's pretty much no state where that where it would be just, hey, we'll let them get married. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's that. Number two, when has a wedding on wrestling shows ever gone right? Ever. Never. No, exactly. Never. Not once. I mean, I think, I guess you could go back to uh, Miss Elizabeth marrying Macho Man. But I still don't think that went off without a hitch. I just don't have good memory for that. You know what I mean? Uh, But every other wedding I've ever seen on wrestling television has ended. Um, So if you are a character in a wrestling show and you're about to get married, why would you ever want to do it on TV? It has never worked out right. You know? Actually, the the time delays are... are, uh, I thought thought you were right, but I wanted to 
to this is a double check moment that I had. Um, there's some that are 90 days, some that are a couple days. It's a significant number that there is no delayed. Oh, delayed. really? Indiana, you go go to courtroom A, get your divorce. Go to courtroom B, get your marriage. Well, that's right. okay because that's that's Indiana. So the only stop you have to do is, you know, at your sister's house to pick her up for the next marriage. Oh, man, that would have worked better if I'd have said Georgia first. But I don't think we have listeners in Indiana, and we do have them in Georgia. Yeah. Oh, well, Florida. Boy. If we had any listeners in Indiana, oh, sorry to see you go. <laughs> um, Missouri. Missouri was the one we should have used. Missouri would have been perfect. Oh, if Alabama had one, that would have been the better oh, one, too. What is that? Alabama's got a delay, I think. Oh, yeah? 60 days, same as, same as uh, us rednecks. Arkansas, that would have been perfect. There it is. There in Arkansas, go. you can divorce one sister, go into the next room, and marry your other sister this, the next day. No listeners in Arkansas, just so everybody knows. And now we never will have any. <laughs> I know. Oh. oh. <laughs> so, no, and, and and that's not the only part of that. I, I really do genuinely hope that the casual fan can get to enjoy this again. I remember being astonished because I'd watched wrestling in 95 and 94 and 93. Um, so I had watched it when it wasn't cool to watch it. And I remember... Um, because it went from cool to really, really not cool to really, really cool in a 10-year period of time. Um, and I, I really hope that, that that we get a resurgence where it's allowed to be cool to watch wrestling again. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm afraid. I'll, I mean, I wear it on my sleeve, man. Um, but but I, I think it... I think, you know, another, I'd love to see Inner Circle t-shirts sell as well as um, NWO. Um, I don't think you're ever going to get as cool of a nickname, but, you know. Nothing's ever going to be quite as cool as the New World Organization. Organization. (laughs) Is Is that how we get around copyright laws now? No, because I'm sure they tried to copyright that, too. That's how uh, Hulk Hogan uh, mispronounced it during the the big original announcement of the NWO. He said New World Order at the beginning, but then later he called it the New World Organization. I just thought that's funny. Did I'm sure mean, someone from Turner immediately copyrighted it, though. <laughs> Actually, Turner wasn't all that great about that stuff. But... Well, they weren't very good at marketing for, or monetizing things, that's for sure. You know, if if Turner had, you know, even half the ability to to monetize some of the stuff that happened in, in the New World Order early days, they'd probably still be around WCW, you know? But they didn't they didn't have like the t-shirt contracts like WWE or F at the time was able to do. They didn't have contracts with the toy companies at the time. They didn't, you know, uh, they they were too busy worrying about ratings and and ticket sales when they could have worried about, you know, ulterior forms of money and I bet you they'd still be around, but that's neither here nor there. Ah, if only they would have had a pissant t-shirt company. Yeah, if only. All right, well, but that's I one think thing AW definitely knows how to do is monetize things. Oh, uh, they they've monetized free, no advertise or minimal advertisement. Um, 
television shows that that people have to look up to want to see. Mm-hmm. They've, they've monetized everything. So, um, yeah, congrats. I mean, monetizing is not our concern. Our concern okay. is better storylines and and group it up, guys. Let's let's see let's see a good war come yes. from wrestling by using by really getting all of the world's best all of exactly. them get them all over here get them in our eyeballs i want to be get forced to choose between rhea, rhea ripley and chris statlander i want to be forced to choose between between um the fiend and okada um you know that's what i want in the long run and i think you and i are both both saying that exact thing we just want we want reasons to have to choose Yes. Num, 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 num. Get in my eyeball. <laughs> and that puts us at how many hours now? What are we at? An hour and 45 minutes? Not an hour and 40 minutes. So I think I think we'll probably kind of wind it down here. I mean, okay. we could go on and on about other stuff, but we but in reality, you know, we, we just want wrestling to be good. Uh, the simple fact is I'm not talking AEW, I'm not talking NXT, I'm not talking, I'm talking wrestling as a whole. And we want more people to watch it and more people to enjoy it. And yeah. we want less times when we're embarrassed to be wrestling fans. And um, it's been a long time since I was truly embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. But when my wife watched, looked up from her uh, phone and saw Liv Morgan and Lana rolling around uh, in their dresses, I was embarrassed to be a wrestling fan for a moment. So uh, we want yeah. less of those and more Remember, of the tune stuff out. that makes us... Yeah. Tune, tune out, out and tune in. It's just as important to tune in. Definitely. Definitely. Don't look it up on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're going to catch it, catch it in a storyline, look at the gifts, whatever. Do not look up a trackable video because maybe that's maybe that should be our goal for this year. We turn everything we can into a GIF so that that's bad into a GIF so that our fans can still see it, but they don't have to watch it. Hey, man, if you want to take that that, that uh, responsibility, yep, that's all for you. And <laughs> I, I, I already work hard enough during the day. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So, and I don't have time. <laughs> Fortunately, there's already... Twitter users who do most of that for us. So, so find it on Twitter, somebody. So yeah, well, you know, I I follow a couple of them that I really uh, get a kick out of, and I'm trying to trying to think of their names right now. But one of them um, is called uh, Lariato at Lariato, I think. Um, and they do a lot of, especially old school wrestling gifts where they uh, just show, you know, like these people doing these really crazy old school wrestling moves that we just don't see anymore um and so that's always always fun to see um you know but even even some of the small indie promotions like bar wrestling uh have a tendency to put up gifts of things that happened in theirs um just trying to think of some of the other ones but yeah hop on twitter search for wrestling gifts and you'll find them they're all over the place and then you don't have to bring up view counts on youtube please please fellow fans please do not at mr lariato uh at that's mr. The, the i like the wrestling obsessive giffer of things he says and he is he is correct on that he gifts them all but even there's like wcw archive and wcw worldwide posts a lot of gifts of stuff that's happened um anyways 
You can find them on, on the Twitter machine, and you're probably even better at finding them than I am, because I just refer to it as a Twitter machine. On the interwebs. Uh-huh. Because I are old. But on that note, um, I think we'll just kind of close this out. So make sure to like, share, and subscribe. All the things that I always tell you to do, do them. And uh, just for us, do it twice this time. Uh, like it twice, share it twice, and subscribe twice. Maybe not that, because I think if you click it twice, then it's unsubscribing you. Never mind on that. Um, just do it once. Just do it the once. But the other things you can do twice. Uh, go on to iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes to listen to this, hop on iTunes and give us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. Um, hop on our Anchor.fm page, anchor.fm slash raw and order WBU. That shows you all of the places that you can find our podcast, and you can click on all of those and give us thumbs-ups or stars or whatever they do on their particular site. Uh, subscribe to us there. Uh, helps us out, all that. And share us with all your friends on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, send us out so more people listen. Um, just, uh, I guess, not people in uh, Indiana or Alabama or yeah, those other places. Alabama's fine. It's Arkansas that I Arkansas. made fun. Yeah. So, so just just avoid those places. They they wouldn't like us. Anymore. We don't speak their language. We use contractions like camp. I can't believe you dogged on Indiana, man. That's where Notre Dame University is. That's like Ivy League without the Ivy. Hey, there's exceptions in every state. <laughs> oh. I'm sure there's some really nice places in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Warren Buffett lives in Nebraska, so we must have smart people. At least one. We got at least one, yeah. Most of the other uh, <sighs> people who have ties to Nebraska got the hef out of here. Like, yep, I was raised in Nebraska, but then I moved to insert bigger city, you know, and became famous. But uh, but once you get done liking, sharing, and subscribing, make sure to tweet at us. You can always find me on the Twitter machine at raw and order WBU. And you can always find DA Fabe at... Well, I'm actually in the Twitterverse, but it's actually at uh, DA... Vincent K. Fabe. Excellent, excellent. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned our Anchor.fm page. Uh, when you're on there, there's a great little segment called Support, and it's kind of like Patreon, but just not. Uh, you can click on that, and you can pledge to give us as little as a dollar a month. You know, it's a cup of coffee a month. Uh, but all of that money goes to help us get better equipment um, and help us prioritize this so we could do this even more often right now we're doing it twice a week but you know we get some income coming in you know we might do it three times a week who knows um but so you can do that you can also on anchor.fm leave us a little voice messages and if you do that we will use it on our show and then you'll be slightly more famous than you are right now slightly absolutely but somebody from nova scotia canada might know exactly but on that note, Probably uh, will. I will say somebody from Nova Scotia, Canada will know who you are if you do that. At least one person. At least one. Yeah. So that's, that's the only that's guarantee I'm making. But slightly improving your social standing, and that's all I can really promise. <laughs> I hope everyone had a safe and happy holidays. Uh, it's been crazy, but uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you soon with a visit from the FBI. Bye.